everybody out there in podcast land welcome to another episode of stuff our dad can't have a podcast of two sisters doing what we do best chatting up with each other talking about food and my favorite the history of the food giving all the sarcasm we can and teasing dear old dad with what he cannot have today i am on my own little sis ashley just in case i didn't mention that um today i'm just going to talk about my favorite moments of our first season um i'm really excited that we have gotten it together enough to do a first season and that we have about 37 episodes under our belts i'm pretty excited for season two so in true touch in typical (laughs) style of our podcast we usually start with random ish and um, because I'm on my own, our random ish is going to be steeped in history. Oh, history. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk about how World War I led to World War II, and more specifically, Japan and Italy switching sides. Now, I know this is a food podcast, and Amber's not here to stop me, so I'm going to do what I want. Um, but no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that because people are like, yeah, I'm going to not listen to this. Um, <laughs> no. But it is interesting, I think, something random about World War I, which can be called the Great War or um, the War to End All Wars. And if you're not so much into history, but you like movies, um, Wonder Woman, the first one, World War One, not World War Two. Typically, movies cover World War Two for some reason. Um, but World War One is interesting because um, the Central, no, not Central, the Allied powers were um, Great Britain, France, Belgium, Italy, and Japan, to name a few. There are quite more, few more on the um, the winning side, and then on the opposite side, it was um, what is now Germany um, and Russia. And Russia had a lot, to, not Russia, Germany had a lot to do with World War One and World War Two, which I think, again, as a history buff is really interesting. But um, Japan was on our side in World War One until it got time to start doing the treaties. You know, when you when you win the war, you get to kind of get the spoils of the war. And that's kind of how we came up with a lot of countries that are still in play now honestly this world war one and um during the treaty assignments treaties um japan just felt like they weren't getting what they wanted they felt like they weren't being listened to and they weren't being heard so when the next war came around because again the war to end our worlds all wars i can't even say that right the war to end all wars was kind of a misnomer um japan went over to the other side um they became part of the access um, power so did italy next that we have cosplay (laughs) of cosplay like a person who's got their shit together is something that we came up with after hearing it on instagram and they had a good point (laughs) like how did you behave as though you were an adult today um i love this segment only because sometimes i'm truly stumped on how i did become how i acted like an adult i know on thursdays we're going to record and i spend all day thursday thinking to myself what did i do that i was adult or at the very least mature um actually was the successful thanksgiving that we just had um i started planning for thanksgiving in november the first week of november i placed my um, pre-order for the ham and the baked apples because i'm allergic to apples so i'm not going to be making them from scratch um 
and then the Hawaiian rolls, which again, I have a recipe for, but I think, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And pecan pie. Again, I'm not making pie dough in a high stress situation. I'm just not going to do that. Um, and after that, the first, you know, three weeks or the last three weeks before this week, Thanksgiving, I have just been slowly adding what I needed, the ingredients we needed to cook our dinner. And I just never once felt overwhelmed. And Thursday morning, I woke up, I was like, oh, it's time to start cooking. And I opened my cabinet or my fridge and everything was there. So it was a really nice, stress-free Thanksgiving. I even had time to take a nap. And then my husband um, honestly didn't wake up until 2 p.m. on Thanksgiving. And we ate at four. So, hey, success. And he actually cooked. So (laughs) it was a good, successful Thanksgiving. Thanks to me, cosplay for three weeks. Appreciate that. So, like I said in the introduction, um, this is Little Sis Ashley. And I'm going to go over my favorite moments from our first season. And I have to say, it was really difficult to just settle on a few moments. I think I just loved our first season. Um, We were definitely figuring out how to do things. Um, If you were with us from the very very beginning, our sound was a thing, but we got it together. And I I think after that, we were pretty much excited about every little thing we did after that. Um, One of the things that we always mention in our our episodes is our, our sources. And if you've been listening to us, you know, for all 36 episodes, you know that Wikipedia as our primary source. I know Wikipedia isn't technically supposed to be a source, but it is. It truly, truly is. And I think it's only technically not a source in academia, but this is not what this podcast is. (laughs) And um, Wikipedia can send you down a rabbit hole where you come out learning like who died on this day or what is the fun fact of today, or it can teach you about something that happened a long time ago that was forgotten. And then you can then go to find other resources or other sources that talk in even greater detail on it. But Wikipedia, I think, is a great place to start whenever you're trying to figure things out. So beyond Wikipedia being the GOAT, um, the best introduction (laughs) from our first season would have to be I Got the Juice. We went in on our dad. (laughs) it was short but we went in and it was hilarious and I was listening to it and I was like oh my gosh (laughs) this is awesome (laughs) and it was our OG or our original introduction style or introduction wording so um I hope you enjoy listening to it and again this is before we figured out our sound so we have come pretty far but take a listen on the best introduction from I Got the Juice Hi everybody, this is Ashley. And I'm Amber. And welcome to Stuff Our Day Can Have. A yum podcast yum. Where we, <laughs> a podcast where we talk to you about <laughs> the stuff we love to eat <laughs> and the stuff our dad can have while we make mistakes. <laughs> All <laughs> like the time. Our opening. <laughs> we or are <not> yeah. professionals. <laughs> right. There's totally a dryer running in the background. Y'all be all right. <laughs> and there are going to be some people eating around me too because, well, the child is asleep. So. Just talking talk about stuff we love to eat, stuff we love, we love to bake, and the stuff we used to have when we were kids. And mm. all, yeah, all the reasons why our dad can't have it. I mean, he can have it. It's just that's not going to be from us. Right. You know, yeah, because neither one of us
near a lake to give him something to eat with? I'm saying, no, because you know what? what? He lived hella far away. Exactly. Who told him about that far? Not I. I mean, it's still an hour and a half from you regardless of how I try but I'm just saying even if I did live near him well first of all I would never live near him because I would never live in Dinwiddie County Virginia (laughs) I mean Dinwiddie where he lives is nice though it's fine it's just I'm a city girl grew up in the city we rode the bus to school we rode the city bus to go places we just we just didn't you know need vehicles to get around it was a luxury it was a nice to have but not required because as long as the greater richmond transit company was running amber had a ride (laughs) yes that's very true very true but um but yeah so today um we're gonna talk about something else our dad can have and this one's kind of funny because I think it's he can't have it because he doesn't want it. <laughs> but he does kind of. He like dabbles kinda. in it a little bit. Put a little. Yeah. He puts his pinky toe in it when it has for, for lotion on it. Yeah. <laughs> Next up is my favorite random ish segment. Um, this was from our flower power episode, and we, and well, not we, well, I shared a, learning about Oscar Michaud, who was a black director and producer in the 1920s and 30s. And just talked about how because we canceled the episode or recording of the episode for that week and moved it to Saturday, I had the time to watch some TV and learn about someone who I had never heard about. And um, if you are someone who is into comics, learning that there is a metropolis in the United States of America. So give this a listen and um, I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, before we get into our segment for today, we have our randomish. I think mm-hmm. like it's my favorite part. I mean, the history is also my favorite part, but just random shit, awesome, awesome. So, um, so I found out I wasn't today's year though, because I actually found out about this on our usual recording day. We are recording off schedule because life happens. And (laughs) Thursdays. Thursdays. Yeah. I was Thursdays years old when I found out about a black film producer and director named Oscar Michaud. This dude was born in Metropolis, Indiana. I want to say Indiana. I'm 100% sure I'm wrong on that. Oh my God. There's a city named Metropolis. Stop. No. A real life city. There is a real life United city in the United States of America called Metropolis, and there is a statue to Superman in this Metropolis. And of there course. is this awesome quote. Okay, so he's a he, again, he's a black film producer and director. He was active in like the 20s and 30s, and he did films on the black experience, like full on. This is the black experience. He had characters breaking the fourth wall, like when they saw something, they look into the camera awesome mm-hmm. um like, oh i love the deadpans to the camera yes. like when you make that sarcastic joke and you just look at the audience like mm-hmm. yes and it's but just it was, like those yeah. tickle me but it was under sad circumstances it was a black guy who was a watchman at a factory and he goes downstairs and he sees a dead white woman and he just looks oh, at the i would camera definitely like, just look at the camera and be like like god damn it <laughs> like he knew he knew it was over but i was i was um 
I was what watching Turner Classic Movie Channel, which I typically watch like once in a while because I do love, I get it from mom, loving black and white movies. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have a movie on. And I was like, what the hell is this? Who was Oscar Michelle? I'm so glad I clicked on that. Um, this dude. Oh, so this is like back when we were doing black and white movies? Yes. Because you didn't tell me the year. 1920s, 1930s. Wow. He was like, he was so an we were- author. He was everything. And he... Wow. Look at all about the black experience, included racism in that. This dude went from city to city with his films in his mm-hmm. hand and showed them at theaters, black theaters wow. and white theaters. But back then, white theaters had like Midnight Rambles, which is now in the segment we need to come up with because holy shit, Midnight Rambles sounds awesome. What do you think about it at midnight? Um, where they would let black people in at Sleep. midnight to watch a video. <laughs> And it was usually one of his. He would stay for like two, three weeks, show the video, show the movie, and then pack up his movie and go to the next town. Mm. Because he couldn't do like produce movies like typical Hollywood machine allowed it. He had to take them city by city by city by city by city. Wow. And I was like, holy shit, why have we learned about this dude ever? Never. Never knew. Never knew. Oh my God, it was great. And I even got Shane to watch it. Okay. So that's how great it was. It was just good. Again, his name is Oscar Michelle. M I Devereaux. Oh, that's his middle name. Yeah. He's given all types of (laughs) gone with the wind with this middle name, Devereaux. So last name M I C H E A U X. And he also sometimes added an E, either um, after the H or after the um, X. So Wikipedia will guide you. Don't worry about it. Absolutely. <laughs> and I um, Googled Oscar and I spelled M-I-C-H like I'm spelling Michigan and mm-hmm. took me right to him. Yep. So wow, his story was awesome. I learned about him. I learned about breaking the fourth wall. Love it. Also learned that there is a metropolis in the United States of America. And as one of as one as the um, presenters on the documentary pointed out, they're like, it's typical in the United States of America that you will have a statue to a fake character and not to someone who actually made an impact on the United States if that person was black. And I was like, damn, you right. And also Oscar Micheaux's um, films were pretty much all lost. Because of the way he because of the way he had to cart him yep, around. Caught him around. They, you know, they're not in the um what is it? But Library of Congress in their film section. Like there's a um cinema company in Italy that's trying to preserve what they have, but he made like 20 to 30 films. All... 44. Okay. On well, Wikipedia. 44 films, because we go with Wikipedia. Yeah. He and... was an author, film director, and independent producer of more than than 44 films yep, and they say like throughout the throughout the program they showed like the same like five so I'm thinking maybe only five survived mm. that's a rough oversimplification of how many movies are left mm-hmm. but they only he was showed the Pullman skills. Porter mm-hmm. yeah that's nice. the Pullman Porter history is pretty cool too yeah it's in really a, not cool. a good way but also in a good uh, way at the same time yeah <laughs> But yeah, so that was my, I was Thursday years old. And I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. And I would have never have watched it if we had not filmed, if we had not recorded. So positive. Oh, if I, if I had not said, hey, I ain't got it. I'm not with it. And I would, yeah, so. I would have never seen it and learned something yeah. really, really cool. 
So positive. So folks out there in podcast land, um, Thursday about noon, I very rarely (laughs) call Ashley at work. Almost never call Ashley at work while I'm at work. Um, From my work phone, no less. So I'm sure she was probably like, what is wrong? I was tired. (laughs) Yeah, I was tired. I was dog tired. It was 12 o'clock and I was tired. And we still had swim lessons for the tiny guy. And I was just like, I ain't gonna make you sis. Um, I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this. And she was like, okay. (laughs) Cause I was here to try. I was gonna push through, but I promise you, it won't a whole bunch of push in there. So we're recording on a Saturday. So I was late to this too, right? Because Saturdays are usually busy. And we got in the house. Go ahead. I literally don't care. <laughs> you uh, know how I feel about time right. and plans and whatever. We, we literally got in the house. We got here at one o'clock. Car full of groceries. We went to Tiny Guy and I went to the farmer's market. Ooh. We got fresh blueberries, fresh mm. blackberries, Yummy. fresh peaches. <gasps> got some tomatoes that I really hope don't taste like the same the tomatoes you get in a grocery store that don't taste like anything mm. that just burns my spirit yeah um, <laughs> I miss tomatoes how they used to taste like when mom would grow them in her garden in the backyard oh like you put some salt and pepper on them they just be so just, good and they're so good <laughs> oh my gosh so but we got got here at one o'clock and it's 1 43 p.m and the skies have literally opened up it is a pouring. So all I can say for random ish is bless the Lord that I did not try to make any more stops because <laughs> I would have been canceling again. I'm like, nope, I'm soaking wet. I'm done. I'm done. You know what I would have done? I would have just, you would have been like, okay. Yeah. I like, okay. And play, hit play on the next episode of Vincenzo on Netflix. I am like in love with Korean K-drama I've, I've talked about we it know. oh my god they are so awesome seriously you and your 45 episode tv shows well oh this one is only 18 episodes but guess how long each episode is an hour and a half yes <gasps> no wrong. listen here like guys really? guys 18 episodes an hour and 20 minutes I am not committing to this watch the first episode I was like god damn it this is definitely my humor it's black humor at its finest. Like, well, Ashley, yeah, that is one thousand six hundred and twenty minutes, How or twenty-seven you hours. <laughs> you 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 do it very easily. You do eighteen. I know. I was missing rent, but then I realized I didn't. Which I is sing, so. minutes of movie to watch, and then you it's divide by sixty. Show. That's 27 hours. I was up until like 3 a.m. last night watching 27 it. hours of the same show. I mean, but it's but when it's good. Girl. But when it's good. <laughs> that's like, that's a movie. Every time you watch it, you watch yeah, a movie. It is a movie. You watch 18 movies. movies about the exact same thing. Oh, well, yeah. But they have yeah. a really good villain. They have a really good villain. <laughs> Very tired villain. <laughs> I mean, he's exhausted. He has got to be exhausted. But I love a good villain. Like, seriously, you give me a good villain and I am on the couch. Oh, my God. So 
but oh, yeah but one other thing about the um farmer's market so yes. i was debating between going to the farmer's market in my own city portsmouth and going to the one way out in west bubba in virginia beach well not virginia beach norfolk it would have taken me 30 minutes to get there easy mm. but then i was like listen support your city girl and i'm so glad i did because i forgot about this lemonade stand so i want to shout out ken Menade juice bar love the name it is so adorable they well, it is pouch. a um i love the pouch too yeah i got kiwi lemonade that's their new flavor for mm. i guess right now and it's so cute because it has a slice of lemon and a slice of kiwi floating in there <laughs> um was a little a little um little sister two sisters not unlike ourselves and their mom so the the older sister I guess went to their mom and said hey I want to have a lemonade stand and so mama made it happen and so I was like I'm really glad I came out because I saw the Kimonade on the webs on the Facebook post that that's what they had today and I was kind of like it's like yeah let's go so we got all our fresh fruit and veggies and then I hit up the lemonade stand and I was really glad that I did because I got to support some young female entrepreneurs out here doing their thing thing and what I love is this thing is resealable Ooh. and I can make it an adult drink yeah you can I'm gonna put some rum in it Everyone loves day drinking. I know. I'm about to put you on pause and go get me some room to put in here. Day drinking is the best drinking. Sorry for all this. Oh my gosh, Ashley. What? I love day drinking because you have the whole day. You used to barely drink and now you love day drinking. No, it's called high school. (laughs) That's where day drinking started. I I don't drink a lot now. It's like not often. But when I do, if it's at night, what's the point? I'm going to sleep. If it's during the day, you can just chill and nurse yeah. that sucker for as long as you need to. And then go pour another one if you so choose. It's the best. You are going for a long time, not a short time, if you date <laughs> Right. But I just want to shout them out for doing their thing thing. Nice. Uh, they're selling um lemonade and it's tasty too. Love it. Yeah, and ooh, there's a little like if you didn't want to reuse it, there's a hole for you to poke your straw through. So it's really like drinking a Capri Sun. Oh, Capri Sun. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a meme that I loved. It was um a picture of someone's um sidewalk board for a restaurant and it said wine bar. Um charcuterie and wine for kids that grew up on lunchables and capri suns and i was like do not disrespect my generation for being badasses okay at the same time it does bring respect of the fact that you know we we did grow up on lunchables and exactly we love a good charcuterie board like i do love a good we love a good we i think that's a a millennial thing like oh you're gonna have a board cheese crackers and deli meats count me in yeah it's like a grown-up lunchable exactly what that is thank you (laughs) and 
to have a drink in a Capri Sun like um, pouch with alcohol. It's like adulting, but also reminiscing. It's the yeah. best of both worlds. It really is. <laughs> it truly is. Okay. Are you so ready? That's it for me. I'm ready. <laughs> Are you ready to cosplay like a person who's got Wait. her shit together? Because that's the only way it's going to look like I got it together. The next is our best cosplay, in my humble opinion. Um, it is definitely from one of our very, very first episodes called EpiPen on Deck. I think it was perfect. So take a listen. Okay, so Ashley, how did you cosplay as an adult this week? Okay, so I w- the first chance I would say I did not cosplay as an adult. <laughs> okay. But then I think about how the situation resolved itself and I'm guessing I did. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you didn't even know you were cosplaying and yet here you were. Right. It's like I had an issue. I made the wrong decision, but it led to a, com- a come to Jesus moment with people in charge mm-hmm. and me and the other person, the other person realizing that they were making assumptions about me. Oh, and mm, spicy. I'm like, no. Yeah, I was just like, no, um, every time someone has this particular issue, my my first question to that person is, so what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Are you logging in? Are you turning things in? What what are you doing to help the situation? And the typical answer is nothing. I'm like, okay, so the per- you're the one with the problem, not the other person, not the adult that I was talking to. You're the one with the problem. And once that person heard that that's the constant conversation, they're like, oh, like, yeah, no. yeah we're always looking out for you (laughs) so I think it worked out I adulted I'm gonna say I adulted yeah I would say that's (laughs) that's a pretty good run at adulting so I had a pretty interesting issue this week as well yesterday actually um where I apparently while I was I to one of my coworkers about some feedback I got about a negative interaction between them and one of my people and typically I don't find those things to be terribly inflammatory. Hey, so-and-so said that you came by, you kind of came in hot, kind of caught them off guard. So just want to let you know so that you, you know, next time you go talk to them, maybe you can change your approach or whatever. For your consideration, kind of like if you know, you know type of situation. Well, they were pissed that I told them in front of other people at our level. And I was like, I don't find that to be inflammatory so sorry you're upset so I was just kind of like huh I think it's generational because where I probably would not have minded if someone made a comment like that to me apparently for him and for one other person in, in the similar age range, they were like, yeah, that's a closed door conversation. And I was kind of like, you guys, no one's assuming one person is right or wrong. It's just an FYI. This is the feedback I got. You can either take it and use it or not. Yeah, I think, I think the older generation of management where I work, they tend to want to do things in secret more. Whereas for some of us, it's just kind of like a, Hey, this is what's going on. All right. Bye. And walk away. (laughs) It's like, no, you're trying to embarrass me and make me look bad. And I'm like, 
dude, I have like (laughs) 5,000 things on my brain making you look bad. Sorry to say not one of them. Genuinely. Not not. It's just, just not what I'm really here for. It's work, you know, and it's not like you're about to come take my job. It's not like we're in some type of competition where I need to be like watching my back because you about to come take my job or you need to be watching your back because I'm about to come take your job or like there's even a popular Mr. and Mrs. popularity contest like no it's really not that at all so I found that to be interesting so I I realized that like I would say that we're older millennials but I'm thinking like younger millennials and kind of the Gen Z's that are coming into the workforce when they have a problem and they bring it to me, apparently I'm supposed to solve that problem. Not is like they're 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 dropping off that problem with me for me to pick up and carry. And I'm like, it's like no, no. no. this yours to go fix. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> right, like I'm I've been getting emails lately. It's like this is happening. Do this. I'm like. It's not happening on my watch. I don't understand what I can do to help you. Right. I recommend (laughs) you do A, B, and C, and then contact someone's uh, parent. Someone else. Move it. Somebody, but not me. I'm like, if I'm not there for the incident, you need to take care of it. Well, I don't know what to do. It's you're gonna have to figure that out. I I can't come do this for you. I can't. But I'm speaking about generations even older than us. So where I'm talking generation was it X, Gen X. Um or no, he's probably not even what's what's before us? Because there's we're the millennials. Right. And then there's before the millennials is Gen X. But what's what's before Gen X? I thought it was boomer. Oh, then he's an older Gen X, because I don't think he's a boomer. I wouldn't, I don't think he's a boomer, but either way, um, I found that to be interesting. So of course I will be my better self and offer an apology for you feeling as though I was trying to embarrass you. But in reality, I just, there's certain things that I do believe have to be closed door conversations and certain things that I don't. And I just didn't see where this needed to have a whole, like, I need to talk to you after this meeting kind of moment. Cause to me, when you tell someone, I need to talk to you after this meeting, it generates anxiety where there doesn't need to be anxiety. And it's just a quick heads up like, hey, so this is the feedback I got. I think Amber, hands down, has the best titles. Um, I can't, <laughs> she, I don't know if she's like thinking about this for hours or days at a time or if she comes up with it at the moment, but her titles are perfect. And one of the funniest titles that she's ever come up with is called Salty Meats. <laughs> and when she introduced the title of Salty Meats, I was dying. I was laughing so hard. Uh, I just think it was perfect. It was unexpected. And it's unexpected because we do try not to look at each other's notes before we record. So you don't know everything that's going to be said. We do kind of look at the random. Well, I look. I try to look at the randomish or you know, what she, if she's going to throw in a curveball, like I tend to do to her. Um, when I say something you just learned about this, this week or today, you were today's years old when, but once I realized that if I look at the notes, I'm going to see the title and it's not going to be as exciting. I stopped doing that. And salty meats is definitely one of those signs where I definitely did not look at the notes beforehand. And it was 
beautiful. The another episode that I think comes in second place is um it's called balls <laughs> tapioca balls i am immature and i love it um this episode was all about um boba balls um balls again it was all about boba um uh, something that amber and i both enjoy when it comes to um it could be milk tea or slush tapioca pearl boba tapioca pearls any of those things they are really really awesome additions to pretty much any drink that you can have i will cold drink that you can have. I don't really think it's something for a warm drink, but that's just my opinion. So salty meat. (laughs) All right. So today we're talking about salty meat and um, we picked this one because of course, if you, you go back in the day um, growing up, we, always knew about country ham and I've always loved country ham. It's delicious. I would not call it nutritious because it is salty AF. Um, But it started with like two episodes ago when we were talking about, um, I mentioned having a country ham biscuit with like country ham on a Ucrops White House roll and how that was just awesomeness. And so that what we, it made sense to make cured meats, aka salty meats, a topic for this week. Um, So a light history of salt. Um, and my references were, of course, Wikipedia, but also Time Magazine and How Stuff Works. And I am a fan of How Stuff Works. That's Um, How Stuff Works. (laughs) Well, I mean, they named it that. (laughs) Yeah, I love How Stuff Stuff Works. works. (laughs) That's one of the things I would watch on YouTube, like how is a lollipop made, how canned pineapples are made like at the Dole plantation my first before my first time going to Hawaii for work I um looked at that like how how does Dole take a whole pineapple and get it into this tiny can it was fun stuff so anyway um salt comes from the tears of bitter old Bettys and salty old men the end Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. No, actually, um, salt comes from dead, dried up seas or living seas. So that makes sense because there's there's a dead sea. There's a dead sea that has a very high salinity. And salinity is the measure of salt or sodium chloride in in a, a body of water. And actually, you float in the dead sea because the density of the water is so high is salty um so salt can bubble up to the surface um as a brine or it can come out of salt licks and shallow caverns um below the skin of the earth lies um, it lies in white veins and some of them can be thousands of feet deep it can be evaporated from salt pans, boiled down from brine, or even mined. And often today, salt comes from shafts that extend close to a a, a mile down. And on, I didn't realize you mined salt. You can mine salt. Nice. 
I did an either. That's what I was like, oh, this is interesting. So salt is harvested three ways, deep shafting mines, solar evaporation, or solution mining. Um, why are you laughing? Deep shafting mine. I'm sorry. That's what she said. Yes. yes. <laughs> deep shafting mine. <laughs> mm, that sounds terrible because it's called salty meat, and I said deep shafting mine. There are a lot of sexual undertones in this here. Um, I don't mean to recognize podcast them. today. Really, Ashley, Ashley, making it weird, keeping it weird. Okay, so. Um, salt can be used to flavor food or preserve food and it can also be a good antiseptic you know like when you have a sore throat we talked about you get some warm salt water and you would gargle to kind of like help and doctors actually tell you to do that um, this is a random thing um, it was in it's got to be like four years ago I got this really bad sore throat, like terrible sore throat. I had tonsil stones and the whole nine. And so I finally went to an ear, nose and throat doctor because I got to a point where I had laryngitis. I couldn't talk. My throat was swollen. My tonsils were swollen. And I was like, I was having difficulty swallowing. Like I, you could not hear me speaking. So I went to a doctor and they were like, why did you wait so long to come be seen? And I was like, I didn't know. And um, turned out I had an encapsulated abscess in in my soft tissue palate. And so it was pretty big and they actually had to drain it. And one of the things I had to do once it right before they realized what it was is they asked me to gargle with salt water to help with like all the um, inflammation and everything and the soreness so um, but then once they drained it I didn't really gargle with salt water quite as much but I did have a pretty 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 gnarly bruise on the inside of my mouth for a while I video I I actually took a picture of what they drained from it it was a lot it was pretty gross but it was cool. So anyway, prior to industrialization, it was extremely expensive and labor intensive to harvest mass quantities of salt for food preservation and seasoning. This made salt, of course, an extremely valuable commodity. And like we talked about for other rare um, gems of the earth, like where nutmeg. <laughs> like nutmeg, where comes um where things are expensive or difficult to get or not commonly found comes man fighting man to get what they want. Yep. So basically entire economies were based on salt production and trade. Salt equaled money and where there's money, there's ultimately power and therefore war. So we had a couple salt wars. <laughs> Back in the 1400s, I this. Um, uh, and it it involved salt mining and papal forces and a, a pope and all of that jazz. So there were two salt wars: one from 1482 to 8, 1484, and then there was another one in 1540. And so okay, Italy and the, and the Vatican going to fight over salt. 
man. You said old. This, te- you said old people. Old man tears. <laughs> old man tears. I literally meant that. It comes from bitter old Betty's and salty old man tears. So yeah, um, it even there was even uh, as far as 1468, and there was a, a war based on salt, and it was with people from Moscow, and they were responding to um, Tsar Alexei the First universal salt tax with days of violent uprising. Literally, S- salty tears so salt is pretty important and our bodies need salt to function of course um that's not something that we naturally produce so we have to take in salt from other places in order for our bodies to operate um so one way that we used to preserve meat was to salt the meat and that was really necessary prior to the invention of the refrigerator. And I knew that the refrigerator was a relatively new invention, but I don't think I realized just how new. Because they're like the ice boxes. Are you talking about ice boxes and ice chests? Yeah, or are you talking about like the actual refrigerator? Refrigerate, refrigerate. I mean, okay. call it what you want, but Mass production of domestic refrigerators began in 1918. I thought it would have begun earlier than that, but notice I said mass production. So folks were um, during the great pandemic of the 1980s when it was the um, 1918s with the Spanish flu, um, folks were just now starting to get refrigerators and then coming up to the most interesting episodes that we've done so far I think it's two for me that are the most interesting I don't know which one wins it kind of depends on the day which one's the most interesting one was the second most interesting they were both um researched by me I, I I hosted those episodes and I learned a lot during those episodes and I think what they both have in common is that I thought I knew a lot about the topics, but what I really knew was surface. I didn't really understand the long reaching effects that each one of these episodes had and just the history of it all. But I'm glad to know that I knew enough to not be offensive, I hope. (laughs) And um, I guess offensive when it comes to the Cinco de Mayo episode, just that um, knowing that I knew it wasn't Mexican independence and I knew it wasn't just an excuse to drink. It was definitely an episode where I got to share a little bit what I knew beforehand, but also to share everything that I had learned in 2022 about Cinco de Mayo. And I think the best part of it is the fact that it's talking about sometimes you lose the war, but you may win the battle. And I know the phrase is differently, but for this one, it really is that the battle of Pueblo was against the French, did not know it was against the French. In my brain, it was just probably against Spain but it was the French and um, how this, I guess, for lack of a better word, ragtag bunch of soldiers came together and defeated a well-established army slash Navy. And that episode, I think, again, I just, I think the whole time I was doing the research, I was like the French, not Spain, the French, like, why do we not learn about this in school? 
So most interesting for me on Cinco de Mayo. And the other is our episode on Juneteenth. Um, That episode, again, I knew what Juneteenth was. I knew the importance of Juneteenth. I just didn't understand how widely it was celebrated. In my brain, it was mostly just something that was done in Texas. It is celebrated everywhere. It is even celebrated in Mexico. So it is a holiday. It is now a federal holiday that is important to my family and my roots just because we are African-American family and we can trace our history back to slavery. But also just how it is something that just because it wasn't talked about in the news doesn't mean it wasn't something that was important and doesn't mean it was something that wasn't widely celebrated all over the, all over the United States of America. Like there are even parks dedicated to emancipation um, where people would just go and celebrate. So truly, truly two of the most interesting episodes. Of course we laughed and giggled throughout all of them because that is our, that is what we do here. We do teach each other things. We do laugh about it. But when it just comes to, I learned a lot. Those two episodes definitely, definitely on my top two. So that's kind of wraps it up for me. It's kind of weird doing this by myself. It's I'm used to there being someone else commenting. So <laughs> um, you can catch us on the socials at Stuff Our Dad Can Have um, on Instagram, Stuff Our Dad Can Have on Facebook, and Stuff Our Dad Can Have at gmail.com. All one word, Stuff Our Dad Can Have. Let, let us know what is your favorite cosplay or your favorite favorite title or your favorite randomish segment that we've done in our first season. Thank you for listening and uh, bye.